tonight here at Ground Zero Meetings, we're going to look at a fear and how it continues to affect us. You know, at some point, you know, in our lives, you know, sin took place, you know, in a, in a way that it shook us. You know, for me, you know, my parents were divorced when I was two. Obviously, I don't remember that. But that event began to shape my life. You know, relationships that my parents would get into began to shape my life. You know, and I remember being in a household where there was a lot of yelling and screaming. There was a lot of abuse. You know, so as a young kid, I never felt comfortable. You know, I never felt secure. You know, and fear, you know, started to take root in me. But even as a young child, to cope with fear, I began to use destroying things, you know, temper tantrums, anger, you know, and looking outside of myself for some sort of solution, even in a young, young man, you know, into my teenage years, you know, I use sports to give me some sort of identity and, you know, and to help me when, when times are difficult, you know, but I never had healthy coping mechanisms. You know, I always was in rebellion and was getting arrested as a young kid, you know, and I remember knowing that I was in trouble with the cops and they were going to be coming, you know, as a teenager, you know, all this fear would start to cripple me, you know, and a lot of anxiety, you know, and the place that I would turn to is going to play basketball, you know, and I used different things in my adolescence to help me to get through, you know, whatever I was facing, you know, even though I was taken to church as a kid, I had no understanding of God. Church was a building. It was so boring. I couldn't wait for the cookies and the grape juice after church and then to get out of there so I could go watch cartoons like, or go watch something on TV or to go out and play. Like church was this, you know, this horrible place, you know, as a kid, you know, and it never was a place that I wanted to stay. You know, so when I was old enough, I, I ran from, you know, going to church, you know, and this is, you know, about the time that even crazier coping mechanisms began to come in, pornography, you know, lost sex, you know, drugs, alcohol began to take root in my late teens, you know, on a deeper level to where I was using and medicating myself almost daily, if not several times a day, you know, and you know, from there, more and more pain began to come into my life. You know, that, you know, as I look back at it, you know, I can see certain moments in time that, you know, there was a fork in the road, you know, and, you know, a moment, you know, everything was different. You know, and it's taken a lot of Jesus to heal from, you know, the first, you know, 15 to 20 years of my life, you know, but, you know, when sin takes place in our lives, whether we've been sinned against or we sin against someone else, there's this ripple effect that begins to take place, not only just in our lives, but the people in the lives of those that are around us. And also, if we find that sin is somehow helping us to manage the chaos that is our lives, we return back to sin more frequently. But what sin inevitably begins to do is it deceives us in thinking that, you know, we're avoiding or hiding or medicating something. But in reality, it still lingers. You know, how many times have we used denial to escape, you know, whatever it is that we're having to face because we're afraid of what's really there, you know, and we, we retreat back into our mind. We retreat back into sin. We retreat back into a relationship. We retreat back into work. You know, and we've used different things throughout the, our lives 
to hide from reality. You know, and a lot of it has to do with fear. You know, if you would have told me in my mid-20s that, you know, Tom, you're just afraid. You know, I would have raised up in anger, you know, yelled at you, swore at you to show you how much I'm not afraid. You know, I'm tough. You know, and and in reality, I'm just this scared little kid on the inside. You know, and, you know, it, it, it was really going through step work, you know, really, you know, processing and doing a four step that I started to recognize that every single thing that I wrote down on that paper was fear based. Fear, fear, afraid, fear, afraid, fear, afraid, you know, and, you know, and I can look at how insecure I was and I look at depression and, and I look at anxiety and, it, and it's really all fear based. You know, that sin took place and then there was an, you know, an after effect and then the symptoms of, you know, a certain sin or several sins created an anxious mind in me, you know, or created depression, you know, created insecurity, you know, and because I didn't want to face any of those things, I just ran away from it like it's going to go away somehow, but eventually I run right back into it. You know, and, you know, as we, you know, begin this journey with Jesus, he begins to point out certain things in us. And, and it's a lot of fun, you know, as we recognize that, you know, either we have a lot of anxiety and control issues and we're supposed to trust Jesus, which that freaks us out even more because we don't know what he's going to do. He better give us a blueprint. He better send us a letter with bullet points and let us know exactly what he's going to do. So if we don't agree with it, then we can tell him, you know, change your will, you know, because we've been running the show for such a long time that unless Jesus has, you know, my best interest in mind, then he needs to sit down. I can take care of this. And we continue to live that way in spite of the fact that it doesn't work. You know, we can tell ourselves it doesn't work, but the second we get into to, to crisis, to trial, and trauma responses begin to take place, we defect back into old coping mechanism, old, old thinking patterns, and we can be 5, 10, 15 miles down the road, and we haven't even moved yet because our minds race so much. You know, and then... You know, something happens, you know, we try to get a job and job interview doesn't go as as well as we, we thought or the job interview goes great and we didn't get the job. You know, so then we're insecure. Nobody likes me. I'm worthless. I'm never going to get forward. What's the point? What's the point of trying? You know, and we shrink back from ever trying to better our lives because it's hard. And I don't like the way that job interviews and people make me feel. So I'll just continue to stay in my little box and, you know, and the outside world can go away, you know, but in reality, if our lives are to change, we have to face those things that, you know, are at the doorstep, you know, and, and look at, you know, the different things that are in our life that hold us in this place where we're stuck, you know, you know, and then depression continues to come at us. Because our past is just a train wreck, you know, and we have all these events of times that we messed up or times that people, you know, hurt us. You know, I've sinned against someone or someone sinned against us. And that stuff never got dealt with properly. You know, and there's all this anger inside of me and I don't know what to do with it. So eventually it begins to attack myself, you know, and I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to face the world. You know, I'm just miserable and mopey and. You know, and, you know, day after day, year after year, you know, I'm depressed. You know, when you really look at some of these things, you know, if I have anxiety and control issues, I'm afraid of my future. I'm afraid of what's going on in my present, that it's not going to go the way that I think is best. But we have to come to some conclusions that every time that I do what I think I should do, it usually ends up in complete destruction. You know, I have a 100% rec um, track record of destroying everything I touch. I don't know about you. I'm only speaking for myself. But until we come to the place that we realize that our decisions create chaos, we can't ever really repent and ask for a Savior to save us from our lives. You know, we like the idea of believing in God. We like the idea that one day I'm going to go to heaven. 
But a lot of times we still have this checks and balances that we don't really realize that we go to heaven because of the blood of Jesus. We still may know that fact, but yet we have this checks and balances that was I a good Christian today or I was a bad Christian today. You know, if I was, you know, I better work harder, pray more. You know, I need to behave. I better go to church twice this week. You know, we have this thing in our mind that says that there's this scale. But in reality, we know how bad we really are and we can never measure up. You know, so if the blood of Jesus isn't the thing that sends us to heaven, you know, we're constantly racing to try to fix our own lives so that we can be good enough so God would accept us. You know, and that, you know, is self-defeating. So, you know, a lot of times our anxiety comes because we don't really trust that the Word of God is actually true. You know, it might be true for you, but it's not true for me. You know, he may love you, but he doesn't really love me. He'll forgive you, but he may not forgive me. You know, we, we, we do this back and forth. But if someone's to boldly ask us what we believe, we would be able to tell them the truth. But in reality, what's going on in our mind is completely different than that. You know, and we have all this anxiety that comes because we're afraid you know, of judgment. We're afraid of our future. We're afraid that, you know, my life is sucked up to this point. And my life's going to continue to suck. So what's the point? So we have a lot of anxiety that there's all this chaos, you know, and, and I can go on and on and on about, you know, how these things manifest in our lives. But in reality, you know, how we begin to settle is that we begin to trust that God is sovereign. But what about all the painful things that I went through, Tom? How is God sovereign? How is God loving when I've had such a painful childhood? I've had such a painful life. You know, that we don't always understand. You know, his ways are above our ways. It's, it's, you know, it's a mystery. But he has a way of working things together for good for those that love him according to his purposes. You know, he has a way of taking what the enemy intended for evil and using it for his glory. He has a way of taking our brokest moments and turning it into a testimony that helps other people find Jesus. Yet we don't always understand these things. You know, and a lot of our depression then comes from being afraid of, you know, judgment, being afraid of our past, and not really knowing how to give that to Jesus because we don't really understand you know, how to have a relationship with somebody because our trust issues keep us from everybody. You know, so how do I get closer to Jesus when I don't trust anybody? I don't even trust myself. So I stay stuck in my thinking patterns, whether I'm really anxious or I'm really depressed, and those wheels just spin and spin and spin and spin and spin. But it, when you really look at it, the roots to these things are fear-based. Now, You know, we have to really take a look at that. Am I perfect in Christ right now? Absolutely not. Like, I don't have the mind of Christ every second of every day. You know, I don't have a Christ likeness every second of every day. I'm still a sinner. You know, I do and think and say things that I shouldn't. You know, and those things hopefully are getting better day by day, month by month, year by year, that you know, the, the man that stands before you today should be significantly different than the man that was first saved, you know, many, many years ago. You know, there is a transformation taking place. But the second I hang on to some area of my life because I'm afraid, it keeps me stuck. And I go around and around and around and around for however long it takes me to get sick and tired of my own stuff. You know, and... We have to come to this understanding that change has to take place, and that is really scary. Any of us love change? No. You know, we don't. Why don't we? Because we don't know what's going to happen. But if you were to ask us, we all know that on some level something needs to change. We hate, actually hate, being told what needs to change. But yet, on some level, we don't know how to change what it is that needs to be changed. 
So it's this vicious cycle that I know I need to change. I don't know how to do it. And I hate asking for help. And the second anybody tells me about myself, I'm just going to hit them. You know, like, oh, wait, I'm not supposed to say that. But in my mind, I've already killed you 47 times. You know, like, you know, we hate change. And really what Jesus is asking us to do is deny ourselves and follow him. If those two things don't scare you, then you're not understanding it. You know, we're not real good at denying ourselves. And we're not really good at following him either. You know, to deny myself means that I have to say no to the things that I don't like saying no to. To submit myself to someone and follow them, you know, freaks us out a little bit because, you know, most of us have had kind of crazy childhoods and crazy authorities and crazy parents and had a couple, two, three run-ins with the cops and they probably didn't go all that great. And, you know, high school was a blast. Why don't we just go back and do that again? You know, like, you know, we have all these authority issues. So, like, to come into the relationship with Jesus, we like the idea that we're going to go to heaven, but the idea that I have to do it his way freaks us out. You know, but what would really happen if we give Jesus this opportunity to, to show that his will is better than ours? You know, many of us got saved a long time ago. Some of us are still trying to figure that out. Many of us have been walking with the Lord for a long time. But yet there's still some areas of our lives that because of fear, I won't give that to him. Even though he's proven to me in the past that he's taken care of this and that, and his will is proven time and time again that it's way better than my own. And yet there's still some fear that if I let him into this area or that area, you know, things aren't going to go the way I hope. And on some level, we have to, you know, release the idea the way that we think it should go. You know, I don't know what tomorrow will bring. You know, I can make a plan for what tomorrow or what I'm going to do tomorrow, but that does not necessarily mean that that's what tomorrow is going to look like. You know, and that happens for each and every one of us. We, we make plans, but God orders our steps. And in the midst of, you know, life, which is chaotic at times, there's always going to be trials and, and, and tribulations, no matter, you know, how good or how bad we're going to be. You know, life brings its own complications, doesn't it? You know, and I think, personally, that God uses pain as one of his greatest teachers. Because pain is the thing that gets us moving. You know, pain is the thing that it forces us to face our fears. You know, if we're stuck in a certain place and we keep doing it the same way, even though we know that it's not going to work out, but yet we find comfort in it, it's not until something comes and, and dislodges us from that, and it's usually a painful moment. You know, a lot of us get sober because we're about to go to jail, or we're coming out of jail and we're like, don't want to do that again. You know, we don't get sober when nothing is going bad. You know, some of us... You know, with other addictions, it's like we get a health scare. You know, all right, I need to work on my diet because I'm going to die soon. And then we, you know, we start, you know, managing and dieting differently because, you know, the doctor says, you only have, you know, three days left. And we're like, okay, I better eat a salad. You know, like, you know, you know, some of us, you know, we're working on other areas in our lives and it's because, our spouse or the person that we're in a relationship says, like, if you don't do this, I'm done. And we're like, okay, I guess it's time to do this. You know, there's usually a painful thing that removes us out of where we find comfort, even though a lot of times we don't even like what we're doing. So he uses pain, you know, to get us unstuck from unhealthy relationships, unhealthy work environments, unhealthy habits, unhealthy you know, coping mechanisms, you know, and he wants us to learn that his will is better. You know, and how many times have we decided that we're going to do it his way, even though we dis disagree with it? You know, 
And I tell Jesus about himself sometimes, and I'm like, this is not going to work. And as I'm walking, and I'm following him, and I keep telling him, like, this isn't going to work. This isn't going to work. This isn't going to work. And it's like, it starts working. I'm like, damn it. Why do you have to be right all the time? Why can't you be wrong? But I don't want him to be wrong. I just don't want to do the work. You know, many of us, we want the end result. We don't want the process. Can I just wake up better? Like tomorrow, I'm going to pray real hard, and I'm going to go to sleep and wake up thin. That's not a thing. I really wish it was, but it isn't going to be a thing. Like, I have a better chance of waking up fatter than I do skinnier. You know, like, that's more likely. You know? And so often, we just want to, like, close our eyes and stick our fingers in here and go, la, 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 until all of a sudden we just, you know, is it different yet? You know, but it isn't. Until we put work in, most likely our circumstances don't change a lot. You know, and the last I I knew, I don't like work much. How about you? I don't want to put effort in. I don't want to have emotional, you know, days. I don't want to face my past. I don't want to have to walk forward. I don't want to have to face. I don't want to have to pray every day. I don't want to have to read my Bible. I don't, you know, the list goes on and on of the stuff that we go, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to. But in reality... What choice do we have? It either stays the same or gets worse, or I don't want to. You know, I got to do that thing. You know, and as a man, you know, I pick up, you know, biblical terminology from a man's perspective. Brilliant, Tom. But no, I see like the military, you know, under submission, commands, like do this, don't do that. From this perspective, like if I was in the military, I don't have a say. If my commanding officer says do this or don't do that and I rebel against him, there's a consequence. And Jesus is the captain of the host, the the Lord's army, and we're in God's army. So if Jesus is saying do this, don't do that, like we don't really have... A big of a choice. Now, I can say, well, I don't want to do that. Well, I have free will. Well, no, technically you don't. Wait, what do you mean? If a young man or a woman is seeing a recruiter and they start talking to that recruiter and they are planning on going in the military, like they can choose at the last second not to, to go. Even if they've signed their name, if they choose not to go, they can get out of it, kind of. But the second they put their foot on that bus or that plane, they no longer belong to themselves. They belong to the U.S. military or the government. And that's the same with Jesus. That if I ask him to set me free, if I ask him to come into relationship, if I ask him to be my Lord and Savior... Technically, my life doesn't belong to me anymore. It belongs to him. But so many of us are like AWOL. Like, I still think I can do whatever I want to do. And and Jesus said, I'll meet you in heaven. And yet, I'm still making a train wreck of my life and wondering, you know, God, why don't you fix it? And he's like, you're not following me. You know, if I, you know, keep doing it my way... I should fully anticipate painful things coming. Now, that does not mean that if I follow Jesus, everything's going to be perfect. Because just like if I was in the U.S. military, and you know I'm going to boot camp, I'm probably not going to like that much because I'm fat, and I don't want to run, and I don't want to do a push-up. But hopefully on the other side of that, he's, you know, I've been trained to go on to war. It's war. It's not like we're throwing you know, frisbees at each other. You know, we're in a spiritual war. You know, and the things that we're going through are to train us to be overcomers. But so often, every time that there's a fight, I just, no, no, I'm going this way. But for us to truly grow, we have to push through. And that's really scary. Well, I don't know what's going to happen. Well, I don't know if I'm going to like it. Well, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. It doesn't matter. And 
I know all of you love it when I tell you that, you know, it doesn't matter what you think. I know some of you, it's your favorite response from me. Because my thinking hasn't been aligned with God's will or his thinking that I need to arrest every thought and bring it back to the obedience of Christ. That I begin to understand that my commander has a way of doing things. And if I do it his way, the results will be his. Now, just because I'm deciding to do it his way doesn't mean that there isn't going to be battles in that process. You know, I can be battling myself. I can be battling my spouse. I can be battling the workplace. I can be battling my kids. I can be battling the debtor, you know, the the bill collectors. You know, there could be whatever I begin to say, you know what, I'm going to work on this. You know, know, one of the things that I'm battling is working on my weight. So what happens? I actually sign up for the gym. Within days, I blow out my knee. (laughs) Like... Great. Like, I'm trying to do this down here. Why you gotta let this stuff happen? And I, you know, I get, you know, miserable and I get in a little pity pot. Well, Tom, you can still go to the gym and work out several things that have nothing to do with your left knee. But it's not what I want. And I know I'm not the only one that, that plays these games or has these types of circumstances. The, the second I take a step in the right direction, something bad happens, right? I'm like, give up. You know, but yeah, I have to persevere through it. So I call a doctor, even though I know that he's going to tell me there's nothing I can do. And I went and he's like, there's nothing I can do. And I'm like, I know, I'm here just to check the box. <laughs> Because three months from now, if it's still bothering me, you're going to have to send me to a specialist. I'm going to have to get an MRI, and it's going to date back to now. So as much as I know that there is no point in going to the doctor yesterday, I still make the phone call and go. Why? Because I have to do the things I don't want to do because down the road, it's going to become necessary for me to have that certain thing in place. And that's the same for a lot of the stuff that we go through. There's a lot of stuff that I don't want to do, and it's pointless, but I don't know how it may come. Now, maybe my knee gets better, you know, and I just need to lose a few pounds and not run around. But, you know, I'm like, um, excuse me, sir, you're way too heavy for the capacity of this knee. You know, like, stop running. Just slow down, you know. Just go to the gym and walk for a minute. You know, like, you know, I want it my way. I just want to, like, poof, it's better. You know, I want to go to the gym and be, you know, completely in shape, not be out of shape when I walk, or out of breath when I walk upstairs. Like, I'm not there yet. I got work to do. But if I don't fight through what I'm facing, and one of the biggest fights that I have to fight through isn't necessarily the physical action that needs to take place, it's what's going on between my ears. That truly can be one of the biggest fights that we fight on a daily basis. Because we talk ourselves out of trusting God. Because we have this fear that continues to, to affect the way we think and what we do. You know, and a number of years ago, you know, when we started getting involved in the, with the pure desire ministries at the church, like done all this, you know, medical and scientific studies on the mind and how pornography is very similar of an addiction to like cocaine and heroin and then its effects on the mind do the same thing and the repercussions and the consequences are very similar that these addictions, you know, have the sensories, you know, the same sensory areas in the mind go off when you're being addicted to these things, you know, but, you know, as we begin to learn about the mind in this capacity, you know, they started talking about the deep limbic system. You know, and this deep limbic system is where all these trauma, you know, memories are are stored, you know, that release all this fear. So anytime that we're having anything go on in our life and something even hints at being similar to our one of our past, you know, all of a sudden all this fear gets released into our mind and it's like, poof, I got to go. You know, and 
there was a statement by Will Smith. I'm sure that he took it from somewhere else. I'm not sure if it's his or not. And I'm going to butcher as I try to to uh, tell you what he said. And he says that fear isn't real. Fear is something that we manifest into our minds, you know, as a response to an event. And he says, don't get me wrong, danger is real, but fear isn't. You know, and a lot of times we create these things in our minds that prevent us from moving forward because we're scared. You know, and... You know, it, with our deep limbic system, it's not like a timeline where this happened when I was five, and this happened when I was seven, and this happened when I was 12, and this happened when I was 14. This ha- you know, it's not like this. It's more of a linear, you know, that when something triggers this, fear just comes. And I can't even put, you know, the fact that this is when I was seven years old. I had this moment, and this is why I'm afraid now. No, like all this emotion floods into the system. And all I can do, you know, is fight, flight, or, or fight, flight, or freeze. And a lot of the times, that's the way I'm still living my life because, you know, I'm still allowing fear to cripple me. You know, and this isn't easy to face. You know, and this is where a relationship with Jesus and a true understanding of the Word of God and, and what it says and what it says about me, what it says about Him what it says about the enemy, what it says about my sin is so important because when these things start to flood in that I need to know that Jesus forgave me of the sin that the enemy is trying to remind me of. And if I don't remind the enemy of exactly how that's taken place, that I know that the blood of Jesus has washed me free of that and I start to listen to the enemy's voice, I can find myself in in a very crazy place really quick. You know, and if I have, you know, whether it's anxiety or depression thoughts creep in, and if I don't arrest that thought and bring it back to the Word of God and, and find Scripture that is true above what my feelings are telling me, I'm going to let my feelings dictate my next action. And so often when we let our feelings dictate our actions, we end up in places that we don't want to be. And we end up really close to old coping mechanisms, if not letting old coping mechanisms in, because we just don't want to feel this way. But a part of us not wanting to feel a certain way is to bring that thought, that emotion to Jesus and saying, you got to handle that. I don't know what to do with that. What does your word say about it? You know, and... And if it's completely crippling, we have to let people in and to know what's going on between our ears. You know, as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Because thou art with me. Well, you can't have a shadow without light. So Jesus is in the midst of any situation that we're going through because he is the light of this world. You know, so whether we're going through a dark time right now or or not, Jesus is always right there. And I can walk through this valley, this hard time, because he's with me. But so often, the worst valley of the shadow of death that I think I ever face and still face today is the one that's between my ears. There is not a scarier place for some of us to go is to be inside our head by ourselves. And that's why it's so important that we're bringing Jesus into these equations, that we're using his word to to fight through. We're using his word as a sword to fight through our emotions and the voice of the enemy and the fears of tomorrow and the fears of yesterday that we continue to say, I don't understand this at all, but I'm going to trust you, Jesus. You know, and some of us have been coming for quite a while, you know, and I tricked you into trusting Jesus. And you faced some of your hardest things and you're walking differently today than you were, you know, years ago. And Jesus continues to show you that he's good and he's true and he's there and he loves you. And yet we have a new battle to face, don't we? We all have something new. And we got to put that stuff at his feet and say, I don't like this anymore. I didn't like the last thing that we did. You know, but here we go. Like, can't you just fix it? And if I just kind of like poof, you know, like 
Jesus fixed it, sprinkle some blood of Jesus on it, and just make it go away. Like, it doesn't work that way, as far as I know. Like, I've never seen it work. I mean, I should pray. But yet, there's so often that I want to suddenly in an area that he was trying to teach me discipline. And I'm like, I'm just going to sit right here until you suddenly that thing. And guess what? Some of us have been sitting in the same spot for far too long that we got bed sores. You know, I mean, our butt hurts. You know, like, literally, like, we have not picked up our sword and tried to fight in a minute. You know, and we're we're struggling in certain areas. And if we really start to look at it, it's because I don't know what's going to happen. And I, I'm scared to face that. And then all of a sudden the enemy tries to tell me that I'm alone again. That I'm trying to do, I'm doing it by myself. Because I prayed a prayer yesterday and, and it didn't come true the way that I wanted to. Because, you know, he's not going to do what I want him to do. And, and I, I prayed about that, but nothing changes. And maybe that's the thing that he wants to change is you. Maybe he's not letting that circumstance or that situation lift. Because he wants to teach you that with him that you can face these things. That with him that he is the one that shows you to be strong. That we learn to boast in our weakness. But my pride is keeping me stuck because I don't want to boast in my weakness. I want to say, look at me, look at me, look how I did it. And in reality, Jesus wants us to say, I couldn't do it without Jesus. Isn't that such a greater testimony? You know, and we have to fight the unhealthy. You know, we have unhealthy behaviors. We have unhealthy mindsets. And some of these things have been in there since we were little kids. You know, and we're we're learning how to undo many, many years of thinking patterns. And, you know, and it doesn't just happen overnight. You know, I think that there's a, a grave mistake that we you know, as Christians are sometimes taught and sometimes believe is that I can say one prayer and it can undo thousands of thinking patterns. You know, look at forgiveness. Well, if you don't forgive, then I'm not going to forgive you, right? That's what we're taught. And every once in a while somebody preaches on this and we get scared. And, you know, I bet you that's 100% true. However, just because I said one prayer for forgiveness to forgive someone doesn't even come close to combating the thousands of times that I've thought about bitterness and resentment and anger and vengeance. So, you know, can God do a miracle? Absolutely. But usually He wants us to get into deeper relationship with Him through prayer, and then we let go of this because we grabbed a hold of Him. And so often we think like it's a scale, and I prayed one prayer, and then all of a sudden this just falls off. And in reality, can it? Sure, he can do whatever he wants to do. He's God. But in my case, in several of our cases, it's labored prayer. And then through that labored prayer, we build relationship with Jesus. And through building relationship with Jesus and becoming a little bit more Christ-like, some of the old stuff just begins to fall off because we've changed our focus. You know, and we have to learn to push through emotional pain, sometimes physical pain. Sometimes you're dealing with some of your past and there's such anxiety that you get cramps. There's such anxiety that you can have headaches. You know, and please take care of yourself, you know, physically, but and on a lot of levels, we got to push through that stuff. You know, and we still resist it. You know, you're going to hear a lot about the gym this year because that's something I need to be doing. But, you know, I went to the gym last week and signed up. How come I'm not fit? You know, I went to the gym on Saturday and ran around and played basketball. How come, you know, I can't run 15 miles? There's a conditioning that needs to take place. There's a change that needs to take place. And it's not going to happen because I said one prayer. I showed up at church once. Like there's a discipline that he's trying to teach us in certain areas that has to begin to shift. You know, could be money. You know, some of us need to change our spending habits. You know, some of us have to, to address debt. 
some of us have to, you know, at least begin to try to save something. But I blow all my money. I, I live week to week, and then anytime any uncircum, you know, un, you know, circumstance that's out of my perspective comes into play, you know, it throws me for a whack. God, why did you let this happen? I'm like, well, I'm not managing. I'm not stewarding what he's given me. You know, and we resist change sometimes. You know, and it's important for us to say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to engage. You know, and the more that we begin to engage, sometimes we need people to come alongside of us and, and help us to do that because we've proven that we can't do it by ourselves. How many of us have proven that we can't do it by ourselves? But yet, what do we do? We try to do it by ourselves. You know, and we have to ask for God to, to show us an accountability partner, or maybe we already know who our accountability partner is, but we're too prideful to ask for help. You know, and around and around we go, because we're afraid of the unknown. What are they going to think of us? What are they going to say? What's going to happen if I do it? You know, all these, you know, and it bombards us. Fear just keeps crashing. You know, and this is where the I trust you, Jesus, you know, came from. You know, some of you have known me for many, many years, and some of you have only known me for a year or two. You know, and the man that I am now versus the man that I was 10 years ago is a completely different man. There was many days that all I could do is say I trust you, Jesus, a million times and cry my way through that day because all I wanted to do was give up and run away. And now you hear me say, well, you know, I to trust you, Jesus. Like, literally, the labor of me praying that prayer, literally, probably millions of times. I mean, if Jesus could give me a checklist someday, you know, like, no, I've prayed that prayer so much. Because I am so scared, and all I want to do is run away. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. I keep walking forward. I keep walking forward. I trust you. Because I know what's going to happen if I go backwards. I don't have any shadow of a doubt what will happen if I go that direction. So what choice do I have? I have to go and follow Jesus or I stay stuck in a place I don't want to be either. I trust you, Jesus, and I walk forward. I take a step and I want to run and I take a step and I want to run and I take a step and I want to run. I take a step and I want to run. And all of a sudden, the pressure of that thing begins to lift and I see that he was still faithful and good in the midst of it. It didn't matter what my fear was telling me. I had to tell my fear that Jesus is stronger than whatever it is that I'm facing. You know, and it's hard. You know, there's a lot of work that goes into arrest and thoughts. It's not a one-time thing. The enemy has to really learn that we know that we know that Jesus paid for us. You know, that, that condemnation, that shame has been wiped away. Until then, he keeps bombarding us with the sins that we... It has to be forgiven a, a thousand times. You know, and we have to allow His Word to renew our mind. Do not compare, um, conform yourself to the patterns of this world, but by renewing of your mind, you will know that His will is good, pleasing, and perfect. And if I continue to live in the patterns of this world, I continue to think in the old patterns, I will not have a renewal in my mind, and I can't ever know that His will is good because I'm still trying to manifest my own. And yet I go to church, and I believe, and I read, and I pray, and I try to be a good person, and yet something still isn't fitting. Something's missing. You know, you know I'll end with this. Is that when Jesus told the disciples that he was going to be crucified, you know, Peter basically rebuked Jesus. Don't say that. You know, and quickly Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Because he knew that if he allowed other people's voices to tell them not to do what the will of God was, that maybe he would have fallen short. I mean, obviously he's Jesus, so he's a cheater. Like, he's got that whole God thing going for him. Like, so most likely he's not going to fall short on the will of God. He didn't fall short on the will of God. But yet, we see him in the garden in the last day, you know, fiercely praying. 
for God's will to be different. And he, uh, he said, you know, your will be done. And he walked on to the cross. You know, he laid his life down. You know, that when Pontius Pilate says, well, I have the, the authority. He's like, no, you don't. You know, if I didn't lay my life down, if I didn't give this to you, you know, I could call down legions of angels. Now, we're not Jesus. So, because many of us would be calling down legions of angels and be like, fix it. If I had the ability to call out legion angels, there'd be a lot of stuff that get messed up. I promise you. <laughs> be like, here, watch this. But see, in this statement, I rebuke you, Satan. Get behind me. So, here's this voice that's trying to bring condemnation, trying to bring fear, trying to bring temptation, and I rebuke it. And I tell it to get behind me. So I put Satan behind me. But if I don't follow Jesus, Satan isn't any further away from me, whether he's in front of me or behind me. So if I don't move, Satan's just still right there. You follow me? So so often we're like, no, I don't want to do this. I'm resisting temptation. And I turn from it, but yet I'm not ready to take that next step to follow Jesus. So I spend my whole time just doing this with Satan. Get behind me. Get behind me. Get behind me. Get behind me. And I feel dizzy. Like, I can't do this anymore. Because literally what needs to take place is not only do I need to resist temptation, resist condemnation, resist and fight through fear, I need to follow on to the next thing and that there is a another fear battle right here in this first step so i can tell satan to get behind me but if i don't grab a hold of him and say take me with you sometimes it's hard for me to move out of that spot you know and even some of the stuff that we've been talking about tonight the holy spirit's already saying see that I've already been telling you this. Many of us, you know, I've just been able to articulate what you've been emotionally going through for months. And what is the next battle? What is the next thing? Maybe we're not 100% sure, but we know we need to move. Like, I don't want to be here anymore. And maybe you're, you're staying away from sin, and maybe you're, you know, you know, getting through the condemnation, but that fear still has got you stuck. You gotta grab a hold of Jesus' hand and say, let's go. And in reality, what's really gonna help you too is to grab a hold of a, a brother or a sister and say, this is what I've been facing. This is what I've been struggling with. I need to help you, need your help to help me to move. You know, and I think that, you know, this scripture kind of gets out of context sometimes, but I think that when Paul said, follow me until you learn to follow Christ, that sometimes we gotta hang on to our, our, you know, pastors, our leaders, and grab a hold of them and say, I need you to help me to move. But that means accountability, and that means I have to surrender. You know, and that, me, I'm a, you know, I am not God. Like, I can mess stuff up, promise. I, I do a good job of it. Still, you know, I need more Jesus. But sometimes, grabbing a hold of the person that's a little bit farther down the road helps you to take that next step. You know, and then you can get some momentum. And then you're walking with the person and you start to overcome and stop stepping in the potholes and you're not stuck as much because you got some momentum moving. Some of you were moving really great for a minute and then something happened and you got stuck again and it's time to move again. You know, I don't know what those areas are, but you do. The Holy Spirit's already been talking to you about it. But somehow your fear of what might happen your fear of the work that might have to take place, your fear of what you might have to let go is keeping you from taking that next step following Jesus. So I really encourage you, you know, if this is hitting home tonight, don't spend too long without talking to somebody and and saying, this is what I need to be working on. Will you help me? You know, and, and if you don't have anybody to help you, please come talk to me and we'll try to figure it out.
You know, and we keep fighting the battle, right? We deny ourselves daily and follow Jesus. You know, and today's a new day. You know, tomorrow's a new day. His mercy is new every day. His grace is sufficient. But sometimes I don't know how to apply those things. And I just feel like I'm a bad Christian and I feel I'm stuck. Well, I'd say start with repenting of the things that you know you need to repent of. And then ask for some accountability if you, you know, you keep slipping back into those things. And then you already know on some level what he's asking you to do or not do. Start there. We don't have to figure out where we're going. We just need to take that next step. You know, and so often we're trying to figure out the whole path. And if we agree with it and, you know, Jesus needs to send us as our, our itinerary. It's not how this stuff works. Sometimes it's just taking that next step. And it feels like we're going to die. It feels like we're going to jump off a cliff if we do. But he meets us in those places every time. And he has in the past and he will again. We just bow your heads and Lord, I just thank you so much. I thank you for all that you're doing. I ask that you would move powerfully in each and every one of us, Lord, helping us to understand that you are more powerful than the fear that we place. You know, as we face these things on a regular basis, Lord, that we can keep asking you into them to give us the courage to help us to overcome, to help us to have wisdom, to help us have discernment, you know, bring people alongside of us that, will help us to, to learn about you and to help us to overcome these areas, Lord. And I just thank you. I thank you that you never give up on us, even though we give up on ourselves sometimes, Lord. I, I pray that each person here tonight feels hopeful and, and encouraged, Lord, that we all have fears that we need to face. We all have stuff that we need to work on, Lord, that none of us woke up today being in complete Christ-likeness, Lord, that there's stuff that needs to be adjusted and stuff that needs to be repented and stuff that needs to, to take place, Lord. And we ask for your strength and your courage, Lord. We ask for your presence to meet us here in this place and in our cars and in our homes and in our bedrooms and in our workplaces and wherever we travel, Lord, that you would speak to us and we could hear you. We just thank you that you are good and that you love us more than we could ever know. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, 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 amen.